this time, we take a look at the first film in one of the most entertaining franchises ever with The Terminator. And along the way, we ask, how different would this film be if O.J. Simpson was The Terminator? Just how can you create an iconic villain with only 17 lines of dialogue? And what unspeakable things did Kyle Reese have to do to get all that money? The future is not set on force-fed sci-fi. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the force-fed sci-fi podcast, where we are beginning our Terminator suite of podcasts leading up to the premiere of the new film Terminator Dark Fate. I am one of your hosts, Chris Rupp, and I am joined by my co-host, the Sean Michael Cope. Yes. <laughs> That's my uh, take at an Austrian accent. <laughs> it probably won't happen again. <laughs> well, it's still early. It is still early. Now, uh, so as we mentioned at the top of the show, we are discussing 1984's yeah. Terminator. Yes. This film was, pro- I think, my first full time viewing it. So it was great to just take a slice out of cinema. But you're a pretty fanatic of the trilogy or whatever the series franchise i love the franchise as a whole with a couple of exceptions but uh, my own personal story with the franchise is i grew up watching more terminator 2 oh and uh, yeah this the first film was not exactly required viewing in my household oh that i some of my fondest memories are watching terminator 2 with my dad all the time all the time and just growing a love of arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) from there hey I saw the Terminator 2 ride, I think, at Universal. <laughs> that was my first experience, and then I rented Terminator 3, and then Salvation, and then I had enough. <laughs> I said, you know, I'm good. I don't understand why people like this. Well, if but- you listen to last week's episode, we discussed that we are diving into mm-hmm. the suite of Terminator films leading up to the new film Dark Fate. Uh, we are just discussing this first film, and then... Next time, we will be discussing Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And then once the new film comes out, we'll be doing a double bite size, I guess, full-length review. Mm-hmm. So get you, get ready for that one. We are excited. <laughs> get your glasses on and your leather jackets. Get your popcorn ready. That's right. So let's provide our listeners with a brief synopsis of The Terminator. So in the year 2029, machines are warring with humans following an apocalyptic nuclear war when a cyborg assassin known as a Terminator is sent back in time to kill the mother of the future resistance leader. However, a lone human soldier is also sent back to protect her and safeguard humanity's hope of victory. How dramatic. Very dramatic. But super simple at the same token. Well, not according to you, as we were discussing (laughs) off-air with producer Jeremy. We're just saying that there's a paradox with the time travel because... So John Connor, uh, he's the, what it, what would you call him, the leader of the resistance in the future? Yes. And so Kyle Reese is sent back, you know, to thwart the Terminator, ends up boning Sarah Connor, and John Connor is born. So Jeremy pointed out that before Kyle Reese was sent back, the first time, who uh, John Connor wouldn't be alive. Because who was the father of John Connor if it's supposed to be Kyle Reese? And we were discussing this for like a solid twenty minutes before we got in before we got into recording Chris today. Did not understand and was like, no, 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 it just doesn't make sense. And then you were saying, here's my point with what you guys <laughs> were saying. No, you were analyzing the plot hole, quote unquote, through the lens of a physicist, right? I mean, just using basic, you know, logic. I guess. I mean, but in this film, in the Terminator, the rules of time travel aren't clearly established, but. No. 
you can infer based on what they're saying and what they're discussing in the film. So I went off of the rules of what is firmly established in the film. Like, this is how time travel works. Okay. So that's how I feel. Like, unless the rules of time travel are explained within the film, okay. like, yeah. then you can, you know, apply your own interpretations or whatever to it. That's a, But they right. are clearly established in this film. Yeah, as he said, it's a one-way trip. Yes. And all that, which is kind of interesting, because if you think what... Like the Terminator ends up, uh, he only realizes Sarah Connor. He didn't kill Sarah Connor when he kills the roommate by happenstance because Sarah calls. What would have the Terminator done? You know, would he have gone and get coffee? Like, ride on, like, see the West? You know, he gazed nakedly over LA, I think, when he just got there viewing. Wow, look at the view. Like, what what would we have done, you know? He must have had some type of uh, protocol that would take over where he would hop into, like, some type of trash compactor or, you know, cast it, threw himself into the Marianas Trench never to be found again. He must have had some type of protocol that would tell him, like, now you must destroy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he just wanted to live his life. Yeah. Like, live his life as a uh, punk-edge motorcycle fanatic. <laughs> Though before we get too deep into discussing whether the Terminator had some overriding protocols, let's discuss the cast and crew real quick. Sure. So written and directed by the uh, now legendary James Cameron. This was his first foray into directing. Mm -hmm. So prior to this, he worked uh, special effects for films such as uh, Escape from New York and his... His big time credit was uh, the the legendary Piranha Two. Oh, the spawning I saw was the subtitle for that film. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so legendary. <laughs> yeah, uh, obviously uh, starring uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. His claim to fame. Yeah, really. Yeah, he started previously starred in uh, Conan the Barbarian in yes. 1982, and then Conan the Destroyer, right? In the same year With as Wilt Chamberlain. Apparently, yeah. Bam. Some of those Conan movies are a bit weird. I know James Earl Jones is in yeah. one of them, and I think Grace Jones is in another one. And I think the first one is X-rated, and I don't know why. That would not surprise me. I don't know. Yeah, I because I've seen both of them. I'm like, why is this X-rated? Huh? Whatever. And then we got Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor, who in the same year as The Terminator started in uh, Children of the Corn. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Definitely an up-and-coming actress at the time of... The Terminator's release. We got Michael Bean as Kyle Reese. Oh. And I looked up part of his filmography. He actually had an uncredited role in the musical Grease. Oh, okay. But he had nothing really major prior to landing this role. So this was his first. Yeah. Well, the film was made on a shoestring budget, very, very tiny Six at million? the time. Yeah, you couldn't, <laughs> you, you weren't going to get a, you know, a ton of premier actors at the time to star in this film. True, but with what they did with that six million is nuts. Yeah. Uh, we rounding out some of the other casts. We have Paul Winfield as Lieutenant Traxler. Mm -hmm. Um he passed away in two thousand four, but he remained a solidly working actor until two thousand three. But he was also Captain Terrell in The Wrath of Khan. Yeah, that's right. Cause I, I knew he was from somewhere. I saw this, I'm like, who is that man? Yeah, and then uh we get Lance Henrik uh, excuse me, as Sergeant Vukovic. And he actually has a pretty solid resume leading into the Terminator. He was in Dog Day Afternoon, oh. Network, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and he was in The Right Stuff. Oh, wow. So probably out of all the actors, he's got the biggest filmography up to this point. And we have Bill Pax. Billy Pax. That's right. 
Yeah, he was the teenager that gets uh He's one of the killed. nameless punks. I mean, you assume that he got killed. I don't I don't think he got killed. You don't think so? I think once he saw his buddy, you know, had his heart ripped out of his chest, that they were all just like, Here, take whatever clothes you want, dude. <laughs> take it all, please God. Your clothes. Give them to me. <laughs> so we have basically a cast of essentially nobodies, kind of. Yeah. Except for that one dude. But they marketed it as Schwarzenegger. And they were all in for the win yeah. on Schwarzenegger as a Terminator. But there were others prior yes. to the te- prior to Schwarzenegger. Who, so, who were these people? Chris? Sylvester Stallone and Mel Gibson were initially considered for the Terminator. And uh, O.J. Simpson. Yes. yes that O.J. <laughs> Simpson was suggested for the role. But Cameron couldn't believe that he would be a killer. The fact. And he believed that is just so great. And then, it just, and then about 10 years later, it became life imitating art. <laughs> just Google OJ Simpson as a Terminator and you will be thoroughly satisfied with your it's search. It's amazing. Because there, there's been so many fan made posters yeah. of OJ Simpson as the Terminator. But isn't that crazy that Sylvester Stallone passed on this when like his rivalry with Schwarzenegger was so long, like through the 80s and 90s? Like, what would his career would have been? There are several arguments to be made that Schwarzenegger ultimately had the better career than Stallone did. Yeah. Because really, Stallone has two characters to his name. He's got Rocky and Rambo. Rambo. Yeah. And both of those both of those respective characters' runs have ended with their respective franchises. Rocky's run ended in Creed Two. Mm-hmm. Rambo, Last Blood, has just recently come out. I mean, obviously, that's going to be the last one. Yeah. And then Schwarzenegger continues to get parts. Mm-hmm. Granted, he's done several Terminator films. I think he's been in all of them with the exception of one. Yeah, his likeness was used in Salvation. And he's on Predator. And Schwarzenegger is really more of a well-rounded actor than people give him credit for. Because mm-hmm. he's able to do comedy so well. Oh, he's Like, Kindergarten Cop is still... If I ever need a solid laugh, I will pop in that movie. It's not the Duma. <laughs> I love it. I just love it when he yells at the kids to shut up and they all <laughs> they all look like they're starting to cry. And he's like, Oh no, don't start. <laughs> well, and he became a governor yeah. of the old Cali for eight years. So I mean, talk about success. And man. he's still he's still looking good. Oh yeah. Probably still lifting weights, you know, with Dwayne Johnson. He's like, no, no, no. You need to do it like this, Dwayne. <laughs> and he got drop kicked in uh I think South Africa a couple months ago. Someone ran and kicked him, but then he didn't fall. Like it, when they asked him, he continued on the interview and they were like, You just got kicked, Arnold. He's like, Oh, I thought someone pushed me. <laughs> it's like, dude, some kid, you could check that out on YouTube. Some kid runs and kicks. It's crazy. That is the perfect Schwarzenegger response. <laughs> I know. I'm like, this guy. Well, did you know, actually, Schwarzenegger was considered for Kyle Reese in this film, which- uh, What? That, that, would, that would have been a completely different film. A macho Kyle Reese. But Cameron uh, changed his mind after one meeting with Schwarzenegger because he was telling- uh, Cameron, like how he would play the character, what would be the motivations. Mm-hmm. And there's a great story of Cameron actually doing sketches of the Terminator with Schwarzenegger as character. Mm-hmm. And that's how he was able to sell the movie is the sketches and storyboards that he drew up with Schwarzenegger as a Terminator. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very interesting story. I mean, because now, I mean, those two are entwined together in Hollywood lore. Oh, yeah. They, uh, he, I think Schwarzenegger helped get Cameron back for Dark Fate. Because those guys are just buddies. He, Cameron actually actually told Schwarzenegger for future films, make sure you read the script and like it's all on you, man. You make the demands. 
you never sign off on anything until you read it and pick the director. And that's probably why Schwarzenegger's fee now for his films are like $25 million. Smart, though. Well, Schwarzenegger wasn't the only actor considered for Kyle Reese. The musician Sting. Yes, that Sting. I'd be down to see was that considered film. to play I'd Kyle Reese. Totally see that film. Wouldn't you want to see that? No. Do 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 da da da. While he's just like dancing, he'd just be there. looking at Sarah, going, "Every breath you take." Exactly. That love scene would be nuts, man. He'd probably put that song as the backtrack. Oh my god. So the Terminator got its budget. They went into production, or almost went into production. There was a some type of dispute in Schwarzenegger's contract production was halted for nine months he went off to film Conan the Destroyer yes and in that downtime James Cameron wrote the script for Rambo First Blood Part 2 and met with producers of Aliens to direct that film so a lot happened during that delay in production Mm -hmm. so went into production 1984 we're ready Stan Winston handled the um, the puppetry for the uh, the Terminator skeleton we see at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually read this too. Linda Hamilton sprained her ankle early in the production. Oh, so she spent most of it taped taped up, and she she couldn't do any of the running scenes until late in the production. So that's why you don't see much of her running. No, too much of it. Okay, because she physically can't do it. She yeah. Did you know that Schwarzenegger didn't really like believe that the movie was gonna be successful? I think no. he was on he was on Conan and they saw like his some of his like boots and wardrobe and they're like, Oh, what's that for? He's like, Oh, some crap movie that I'm about to shoot. Yeah, little did he know it would become one of his most is probably his most iconic role. Oh yeah. Everyone asks him to say, I'll be back. Hasta la vista, baby. I mean, he says that line in pretty much every film he does anyways. He does I'll be back in more films than Hasta la Vista. <laughs> you have been terminated. I love it, man. <laughs> But the catchphrases, and I actually, I didn't know when seeing this that "Come with me if you want to live" came actually from Reese. He was the first one to coin that. There, yeah, I think there's been a lot of different iterations of that line throughout the, um, throughout in the different films. Because uh, mm-hmm. he, uh, Schwarzenegger says it in Terminator Two, mm-hmm. and then there's a slight variation of it in Terminator Three. I forget who says it in Salvation because. That movie's trash. <laughs> and then uh, Genesis, it's Sarah Connor who says it. Mm-hmm. But the rules are changed in Genesis. And we're not talking about that one. Because no. that movie's mediocre at best. <laughs> True story there. So Schwarzenegger in this film only spoke 18 lines. 18 lines. And fewer which is than incredible. words. <laughs> it is. But it works so well with his accent. It, yeah, it's just, there's, there's not much you can say about Mm-hmm. Uh, Schwarzenegger's portrayal that hasn't already been said. Right. And it's just he's so not even focused. It's just his objective is to kill Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do whatever he can to accomplish that objective, whether it's going into a police station and killing 20 police officers or shooting some poor gunshot clerk in the chest with a 12 gauge <laughs> slug. Right. Or shooting some poor housewife in the middle of the day. And he is absolutely brazen throughout this film mm-hmm. he right away we see him and he kills those assuming he kills those punks to steal their their clothes mm-hmm. he steals a car yeah from a public street in broad daylight he gets the guns in, gets the guns busts into a house and kills some poor woman in broad daylight in broad daylight shoots her tons of times <laughs> goes into the club to find sarah connor literally pulls out a pistol points it at her in the middle of a public place mm-hmm. 
And even when he doesn't do that, he pulls out the Uzi and I th- he kills a few innocent bystanders mm-hmm. there. He's going to punch his hand through a window of a reversing car while he's on fire. I know. He he plays the role so well to a T as this robotic human. Like, if I I didn't know how great he was, because people always make fun of him for it, saying he's a wooden actor, you know? He's really not. But, but he's not, actually. I I thought he was great in this film. He was awesome. His lines, yeah. dialogue. Sarah Connor, she's my friend or whatever. Can I see her, please? Like, when he said, I was like, oh, I believe you. It was good. I'll be back. And he had his lines on the uh, on a nice little cue card when he was at the police station because he couldn't remember them. How terrible is that? You have 18 lines and you need freaking cue cards, man. I'd be willing to bet he went a long time of shooting between shooting without having to speak anything. Oh, yeah. So he's, so he probably just went to Cameron that day like, what are my lines? <laughs> I don't know what to say. Could you please make a cue card? <laughs> <laughs> and they did, and they changed. Uh, he wanted it. I will be back. Yeah, because he I'll couldn't be he couldn't yeah. say the uh, contraction there with uh, I and will. Mm-hmm. But it's it's interesting that I noticed this in the film. Mm-hmm. And comment on it what you will. Okay. But the Terminator he comes back. He's this. Really, he's a swole, hyper-masculine dude mm-hmm. who's going to do whatever he can to accomplish his mission. And then we see Kyle Reese, who's this almost unassuming you know, male figure. He could be just about any type of normal male mm-hmm. that's out there. Yeah. And yet he's able to defeat the Terminator, who clearly has superior skill and weaponry. Mm-hmm. And yet Kyle Reese just uses his wits and knowledge to... Defeat the Terminator. Oh, yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's Sarah Connor who Crushes. presses the button and presses and kills it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the story of two unassu- unassuming people mm-hmm. who defeat a superior force. Well, I'd say Kyle Reese is more assuming because he knows exact everything about those He knows what to do, but I mean, he's clearly not. Oh, he's a fish know, out of water. Oh, like the no. Terminator. He's very, he's like the typical uh, before Schwarzenegger and Stallone kind of re- visioned and helped society rethink what action heroes are as jack guys kyle reese was your stereotypical average action dude like clint eastwood back in the 70s dirty harry he's not jacked no he's just a tall dude who shoots (laughs) indiscriminately and is racist to a t that's right but schwarzenegger i could see that symbolism as like this hyper masculine like swole dude just coming i i feel like they picked him because he was so jacked it's Mm -hmm. like the physical presence as opposed to Kyle Reese and Sarah, who are both really skinny. Yeah. Well, nowadays, I feel like the film could, the Terminator could be viewed as this antidote to toxic masculinity. You think so? Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's hyper machismo. It's putting on airs about you, like, I'm so tough and nobody can tell me otherwise, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and yet it just takes this unassuming person to just destroy all of that. Okay, I'd say, to me, I didn't get that at all. I well, just thought that the director wanted the most physically imposing person that out there that would just show that stark contrast between two people as opposed to, like, a much. I'd say something like Fast and Furious franchise would be total, like, machismo or, like, even, like, the later films in the 90s that they did. Because Schwarzenegger doesn't really say anything. I mean, almost at some parts, I felt like Kyle Reese almost embodied the machismo because he was, like... I'm a guy, you're going to follow me and do everything I say. But I understood because he knew 
everything about the Terminators. He knew Sarah wasn't going to initially believe him. And she doubted herself throughout the whole film. She's like, I'm not a leader at all. Look at me. Is this what leaders do? And she's like freaking out and like, oh, that's so good. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about her ex. But when the Terminator is bearing down on them in the computer factory, Mm -hmm. his first thought is to protect Sarah. It isn't Mm -hmm. so much defeating the Terminator. It's it's saving her. Because she's the future. Yes. Uh, Like her kid's going to save the world. Yeah, I mean- like a Tom Cruise film. Have you ever seen Oblivion? Yes. Yes. Like how basically the female in every scene, he's like, all right, stand back. The man's going to take it. That's total machismo. That's right? not exclusive to Oblivion. I'm just going to put that I, out I, there. I know, but that's the first thing I, because I saw that like a couple months ago with my dad. He's like, I love this film. And I'm watching it. I'm like, dude, this guy is totally like a macho man. The female's always in the back. She's always sitting there in the ship waiting for Tom to save the There are day. six Mission Impossible movies, and every I single know. one he tells the woman, you need to walk away. <laughs> the man's going to take care of it now. All right. So I mean, if, my... you, if you're looking at it through today's lens, obviously you All pick right. out like the toxic masculinity <laughs> and it out there. But I mean, I, I mean, what did you get out of it? Uh, my symbolism was a little different. I just saw like Sarah as like she represented everything humanity wise. Like you see her as a struggling college student with a crappy job, boyfriend, guys always like dumping her on dates. Um, she's kind of confused, lost. She really is that window for the audience to figure out what's happening. And the Terminator to me represented death. Everything about Arnold is deaf. He has like the beautiful exterior, but inside that flesh is just the skull of just chrome, red eyes, brutally murders everyone, everything just to, to finish the goal. He's death, man. He's coming at you. Just like Kyle Reese at the police station. He's like, he won't stop at anything. He will always keep coming. Like, I love the two contrasts. And like, you just, she, everyone had to deal with it at the end of the day, but she defeats him kudos to sarah and you get to see that nice arc as a character she goes from this like really kind of damsel in distress to this really like i can do it myself well it doesn't even occur to us in the audience that this could be something that's not a man obviously he gets shot a bunch of times with a shotgun at a dance club but it's not until after they're running in the alley Mm-hmm. And we finally see that great shot of the Terminator's point of view where it's all red and yeah. it's clearly computer code that he's seeing. Like That's the first glimpse we get in Terminator vision. And that reminded me of Westworld. Yes. You remember from you, Brennan? Yeah, with that whole, the ba- I was like, oh, so that's it's how far it came between like 10 years. I love the red when he like figures out the words to say back to the guys, yeah. like F off. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I really would like to watch Westworld and then go directly into watching the Terminator. I know. I got the vibes of uh, the gunslinger and the Terminator the whole time. I'm like, oh, I love, like, I love that we watched both. <laughs> yeah. Again, like, you, see how you watch from. Westworld and you see, mm-hmm. you know, where the Terminator got its inspiration from. Totally. Although I did read that Cameron had some type of dream about a like robotic metallic torso that was chasing him with kitchen knives. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, uh-huh. all right, uh-huh. I don't know what kind of messed up dreams you're having, dude. And like, maybe, maybe you just have an aversion to like being in the kitchen, given that you've been married like five times. How did you think about, or what did you think about the future in this, and like all the sequences or I, the vignettes? As yeah, you I guess they're called vignettes. I really ca- wouldn't call them scenes because they're a bit longer than that. But I thought they were fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were short and simple and to the point. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see Reese as this soldier. I mean, he's clearly. A capable soldier, because even that every scene we see him in, he's able to battle his way out of every type of yeah. danger he finds himself in. Even at the end, where Sarah just says, you're on your feet, soldier, because he just wants to die. 
How'd you, did you say it was miniatures that they yeah, built the it future was, sets? I watched some of the special features because I, I, I got, I have um the Terminator collection on Blu-ray and it's got some special features on there. All three? Uh, four actually. You have four? Yeah. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I'm a nerd, <laughs> but they were talking about how they developed the the look of those future scenes, and it's a big long set that they built. It's 13 feet, mm-hmm. and they put and it's all force perspective. Okay, so they put a big a full size skull in the foreground, and then the rest of it's peppered with little skulls, and it's a miniature, and you see the 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 roaming tank, I guess, just yeah. roaming through and crushing those skulls underneath, and it's. They just put smoke in the in the background to give it depth, and it's incredible how they did those miniatures. And I'm a sucker for a film that does miniature effects like this. <laughs> Same. I absolutely love them. I, when I was watching, I'm like, this holds up. To me, I thought I felt like it held up. I'm watching this and seeing all the details that they put in. I'm like, this is incredible. Great depiction. It's so finely detailed that you could pause it at any instance and like look and just spend hours picking apart the just incredible bleakness that they put out there. The future scenes, more so than any other special effects in the film, stand out and hold up better than the other ones. Oh, yeah. Granted, when this came out, these effects were still relatively advanced, mm-hmm. particularly the animatronic head of Schwarzenegger when he's you know doing the, the exacto eyeball. knife surgery, yeah. Which, yeah. Is, which is still creepy, don't get me wrong. Totally. But when you watch it you know, 35 years later, it's like, oh, okay, come on. That's, totally, that's schlocky and robotic. Totally an animatronic. Uh, but it's still, it's pretty fascinating seeing like what he did as the Terminator doing surgery on himself. I read some YouTube comments. They're like, this scared the crap out of me as a kid. Well, yeah, and it did. I think I, I, think I first watched this when I was maybe eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And it still like freaked me out. And right? the producer Jeremy mentioned too, like the I think the better effect in that scene is when he's got his arm open and he's you know mm-hmm. testing the circuits and the servos on there to mm-hmm. make his arm still work. I think that's better than the head. Oh yeah, by far the hand looks much more real mm-hmm. <laughs> than his jiggly head. Well, then we get the stop motion at the end of the film. Yes, of the actual uh, T. It's, it's, T eight hundred or something. Yeah, it's a model one hundred and one. One hundred and one. So I read that online that the one hundred and one is the body, and then the T eight hundred is ter- is like the Arnold, and then the T one thousand is like the gooey whatever and eight yeah, turn layer two. I, I can believe and then plus, that. That makes sense because I I don't know. I was reading James Cameron interviews, and he's like, "No, people complain about this all the time. No, it's this, that, and the other." So well, he would know. I mean, he's written he's written the first two <laughs> films and he's he's a producer on dark fate i mean if anybody's an authority on the terminator universe it's, it's him yes he's got the final it's like set. george lucas in star wars if it comes right from him it's like that's the be all and end all yes which um and i guess you could see that in t2 i haven't seen i haven't seen him forever so i i might be wrong but when they're doing surgery on his head i guess they see like the model number and everything it's like a really click. It's but been a minute said, since I've watched it. So. But you said that's a deleted scene too, or something yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. So, J.K., how did you feel about the product placement of those sick Nikes? You know, if it were anything else, <laughs> if they were, if it seemed like it was more gratuitous throughout the rest of the film, I would have had an issue with the product placement. But I don't with the Nikes. Really, don't. I don't care. We get like two shots of it, right when he goes in the mall. Or I guess like the what, what retail store. Yeah, when he broke in there. <laughs> yeah, he breaks in. Reese does. And they get some clothes because he was wearing a hobo's uh, homeless man's pants, and he like pushes a curtain open, and then 
it's a cut quick to his shoes where he's wearing Nikes. You know, this is something that every film in the franchise is guilty of doing with the product placement. Granted, oh, it doesn't yeah. seem gratuitous in the Terminator, mm-hmm. but in Genesis, there's a scene where Arnold and uh, another Terminator, uh, John Connor, mm-hmm. are fighting, and they tumble into a Pepsi Max machine. <laughs> Pepsi Max, and is it's still clearly a thing. displayed. It's not just a Pepsi machine; it's a Pepsi Max machine. I didn't even know Pepsi Max was still around. Oh, but that was 2015. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like, oh, it's not a it doesn't it's not just a Pepsi machine. Is it as bad as Adam Sandler films? Like with Dunkachino? Like the Jack and Jill movie with the Al Pacino? Oh man, Dunkin' Donuts. Adam Sandler films are in their own stupid category. Totally. He'll eat like Subway and be like, nom, nom, Subway. It's like Blair. <laughs> man, Burger King. Give me money. <laughs> Blair. Yeah, the product placement to me wasn't too bothersome, and those shoes slap, man. I loved them. What else? Do you? Would you How did you feel about the action? I loved the action because mm-hmm. I mean, they were. It didn't feel like your typical action film, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of. It was very chasey. Yeah, like it was uh, Sarah moving. and Kyle were trying to were were escaping and not so much attacking. Yeah, like a. And I tried to explain this to you before we started recording that if you if you don't know that the Terminator is this robotic cyborg assassin, mm-hmm. this is a straight up horror movie. Okay, because he they're they're escaping and they're trying to kill the Terminator and he just won't die. I see what you. There's mean something now. very like Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, slasher Friday film. Yeah, 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 something very horrific about this unstoppable killing force that's relentless in pursuing you. What do you think makes it not a horror film? Well, obviously, there's the the time travel aspect to it. Okay. I mean, you throw in time travel in any film already. It's a science fiction film. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a more sci-fi horror-esque. Because I, so. I guess Aliens is kind of a horror film, right? Well, the first one is more yeah. horror. Okay. And then- Because I haven't seen the first one. And then Part Deux is like a sci-fi action horror all- Roll into one happy little bundle. Is that the one with um, not Donald Glover, but the dude? Uh, who's the guy? No, I'm thinking Predator Two. Never mind. <laughs> Donald Glover isn't in any of those movies. No, no, no. It's the dude from uh, the Color Purple. That's Danny Glover. Danny Glover. There That's we go. That's Predator Two. Yeah, Predator Two. I don't know why I crossed those. <laughs> For a while, I thought they were the exact same film. So it shows my knowledge well, of that. Yeah, and the action is um, it, nothing really intensifies or nothing feels no. over the top it feels no. very appropriate for the, the the tone of the film totally i mean especially when the terminator goes into the police station and kills everybody it seems appropriate for what he or it would do in that situation when it, he's tr- his sole purpose is to kill sarah connor well it really shows the audience the brutality of his character that it literally will not stop at nothing and it's so efficient uh, Weapon-wise, he can blow out an entire what? What did the police officer say? Thirty cops or something, or sixty cops yeah. in the building and wipes the street with him. Man, they are nothing like tissue. I think they only get a couple shots off on him. Did you notice in that scene when he walks in the police station, he passes by um Doctor Silberman? No. Yeah. So as Doctor Silberman's walking out, Terminator's walking in, and then there's a mass, and then there's a massacre that takes place afterwards. And yet, Doctor Silberman. Seems to either have no memory of this and or doesn't bring it up in the other films. Like, <laughs> if I were him, I would be completely freaking traumatized after that. <laughs> it's like, I, I would be like, I was just there. Like, and I did, and I wasn't killed. I would just be a wreck 
for the next 20 years of my life. <laughs> Probably doesn't want to be an accessory to murder. But I mean, in a lot of ways, I would say Dr. Silberman is is a villain in this film. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. much a villain. Well, for the audience, you're like you totally are invested in Kyle Reese's game and everything that he's saying. But for his perspective, I like the doctor because I think he brings the reality to the film where in the modern day, if this would happen to us, who would actually believe it? It's no. like if, you know, Jesus Christ, if your religious came down, no one would believe it. You know, well, people say stuff like this on the Internet all the time, and yet they're not locked in the loony bin. Yeah. But I, I mean, I love the fact that he says, oh, I can make a career out of this guy. You know, yeah, he's that's, showing, he's that's just, such a jerk thing to say totally. in the moment. Oh, he's such a slime ball, but I get it. He's he's like, he's a loony. <laughs> Case closed, baby. It's like, I want to move beyond the walls of the, the police station. I want I want to have my own hospital. Blah, blah, blah. I'm mm-hmm. going to make a career out of Kyle Reese. Blah, blah, blah. It's crazy. But you are right. He kind of does to the audience. He's the villain. He's a, the, a kind of a villain. He's the tangible villain in the film. Yeah. Whereas the Terminator is this almost this otherworldly force. Yeah. Because he's from a timeline that normal humans wouldn't understand yeah. and can't fathom. So he's just this, this almost this supernatural figure in a foreign land, mm-hmm. whereas Doctor Silberman is very, is in this timeline. He's there. You can dislike him, or you can like him. You can agree with him, or you can vehemently deny everything he's saying. Yeah, and the Terminator, we can't. It's not his fault. The you Terminator has no choice in what it does. It's only designed to kill Sarah Connor. It can't so you, be reasoned with. No. It can't, can't be bargained with. And it doesn't have wants and needs. So it's like you kind of, we obviously see it as the villain, but it also takes away the matter of it's not deciding on its own, whereas the doctor is being a total a-hole. Yeah. <laughs> as the audience, I, I'm more pissed off at him than the Terminator in the film. I mean, in the film's only, it's an hour 50, mm-hmm. and it, it, it doesn't feel like it, it slows down at any point. No. It does slow down appropriately in between the action scenes, but in between those, we get we get character development, we get exposition, we get things happening. We get that lovely sex scene. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. That. Sweat glistening, hand-holding. All they needed was candles, baby. That is my lens flare <laughs> of the Terminator. It really is. I can't believe how long it was and how many cuts there were. Okay. Here's the thing, <laughs> with, here's the thing with this. Let's say, let's assume that this is clearly the first time that Kyle Reese is having any sort of intimate physical contact with a woman. Yeah. I mean, because he's been a soldier all his life. He doesn't know anything else. He he says it in the film. He doesn't, there's no one. He's probably, he's probably never even thought about doing anything like this. So more than likely going into, you know, hugging and kissing time with Sarah Connor, he doesn't know what to do. In reality, Sarah would have to be telling him where to put what and what to do with his hands and mouth. But Chris, that's the constructs of the film. They set it up that way. So, But yet, Kyle Reese is going about <laughs> sexy time like he's a pro. <laughs> I know. And plus, the editing and the cuts in that scene is completely atrocious. So bad. It's like Cameron. It's, it's all. Well, it's like Hamilton. James Cameron felt like he had to have a direct say in editing. Like, this is the know. only scene he got to edit in the film. This scene, I now know exactly which scene he edited in Strange Days. Yes, exactly. Yes, same. Same. And this scene seemed to have served Cameron's romantic obsession with Linda Hamilton than it did to actually make a cohesive part of the film. Is Kyle 
Reese even in the sex scene? It's like half of his face. You, you know? forget he's yeah, in I know, it. I know. It's solely focused on her. Oh, man. Well, James actually, Cameron. Linda Hamilton and James Cameron, they, date, they started dating in 1991. Huh. They got married in 1997. And then James Cameron started messing around behind her back with an actress he cast in Titanic. Nice. And then they divorced in 99. And she got $50 million in the divorce settlement. So she made out like a freaking bandit. So that's why she wasn't in many movies. <laughs> she didn't have to be. <laughs> 50 big smackers. Oh, that's funny. So that was your lens flare? That was I, my lens flare. I'll agree. That, that was pretty much mine, too. Who was your red shirt, Sean? My red shirt? I don't know. I didn't. Probably the gun shop. Because I just felt like he was just a man, old man, probably retired or owned the shop on his way out. Just trying to do his job. And this dude just blows him away. Yeah, shoots him in the belly with a 12-cage slug. That <laughs> was pretty fun. But, they, I mean, the brutality of, like, everyone being killed. I mean, there's so many red shirts. How about you? I'd have to go with uh, Lance Henriksen's character, uh, Sergeant Vukovic. Mm-hmm. I mean, he seems like a rather intelligent police officer. And, you know, he's a devoted partner, but... He always seems to get interrupted by him whenever he's going to tell like a pretty cool cop story. Mm-hmm. And there are two people in this world who have the best stories. One is like Marines or just soldiers. And the other is cops. Mm-hmm. Those two guys, those two groups of people have the best stories out there. So if you find you yourself drinking with a bunch of soldier vets and a bunch of cops, ask them what their funniest story is. <laughs> and I guarantee you will be entertained for hours. Yeah. And, and plus he goes down hard defending lieutenant Traxler after he's been shot he does because his first thought is he checks on his partner and he gets back up with that m16 and you know tries taking down a terminator just gets blown away yeah i'm going to assume he got shot in the face with a 12 gauge slug I because felt, his death is off screen i felt bad for that guy though because i felt like lieutenant Traxler was just he made all the wrong decisions every time like oh should we evacuate no no you're fine should we question this further? No, 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 no. We'll call her later. Just keep trying the answering machine. We'll put her on hold. You know, the whole time he just kept making all the wrong decisions. I mean, but really, there could have been a number of red shirts in this film. Like you said, there was a gun shop owner. There were the punks at the beginning of the film. The dogs? In that future flashback. I mm. Even more animals we can add to the list. And they're German shepherds, too, which are like the smartest dogs on the planet. I love German shepherds. Why would you kill a German shepherd? Yeah. That's like terrible. Just wait a little, just wait a while in the future. It can set up internet for you. <laughs> it can set up the well, internet there was, for you. I always joke that German <laughs> shepherds are so smart. Like I, This is why I don't want to own one, because I'm afraid I'll find it home one day and it'll develop use of the English language and set up high-speed internet for me. I feel like dolphins will do that. They just got to learn how to breathe on land <laughs> and like be in water all the time. And well, then... there was a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode where that happened. Yes! <laughs> and South Park. Where... Snorky! <laughs> Talk! Man! <laughs> and then Bart kills one by shooting a cork into the blowhole. <laughs> well, then there was also the um, the second Sarah Connor in the phone book who's killed off screen. We don't know how she died. No. And then there's Sarah's mom. I know. He breaks into the cabin in Big Bear and, and kills her. And in the, par- the cabin's all in disarray. I'm assuming she was just like, had her head thrown into the oven or something. Why do you have to kill so many people? <laughs> but it's not fair. You want to know something lighthearted, though? Kind of. Mm. I found something for Toxic Fandom. Okay. Are you ready for this week in Toxic Fandom? Okay. So, according to a pedant on IMDb, the Terminator would be considered an android, not a cyborg. A cyborg is a technologically enhanced living organism 
whereas an android is a robot with a human appearance. I uh, I I believe this troll is wrong <laughs> because they clearly say that the the tissue over the Terminator skeleton mm-hmm. is living tissue. Okay. And if this were an android, and if that were the case, well, then the tissue wouldn't grow back, right? Yeah. Whereas since this is a cyborg that's living tissue, that tissue gets shot off. Yeah, it's going to take some time to grow back, but it's going to be there. Yeah. I mean, obviously the eye's not going to grow back, but the, I'm going to assume the hair's going to grow back. The eyebrows, maybe. Yeah, maybe, because, you know, he was on fire. The eyebrowless Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I, I actually did not notice that until I watched it this time around, and his eyebrows were completely gone after mm-hmm. being on fire. Yeah! So my, uh, what I had heard someone say about the film was, if you could only send inorganic material back, if it was surrounded by organic material, they said, why didn't they just take a cow's stomach and shove it full with weapons and RPGs? Huh? Or like take a dead dog, shove a bunch of pistols and crap in there and send them both back? You're also assuming that there's cows in this post-apocalyptic <laughs> nuclear well, wasteland. there's German shepherds or take the dead body of your uncle and just be like, sorry, Uncle Tony. There you go, man. This body's being made for better use. You're disgusting. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you gotta survive, man. Yeah, but then if you get sent back, <laughs> what, what, if you get sent back into the past so- into a crowded place, then you have to explain <laughs> why you're digging around in a cow carcass <laughs> to get weapons out. That raises more questions than the fact that you came back naked, right? Why are you naked and digging around into I'm a carcass? I'm trying to relive Han Solo or Luke Skywalker in Empire Strikes Back. Don't no, take you're looking away like, from my dream. You're looking like Leonardo DiCaprio on The Revenant climbing out of the horse carcass in the morning. <laughs> Just saying, man. Fight or flight, baby. I mean, I do have to do credit that aspect of filmmaking where they come back. Yeah. I mean, they come back naked, so it's like they're there's, in this- There's di- some butts. They're in this immediate state of vulnerability, with the, with the except for the Terminator who can just- kill people to get clothes but mm-hmm. for kyle reese it's much more of a challenge because you know he has to yeah you know mug a homeless person and steal his pants you know just i mean nowadays it's like morally reprehensible like dude you oh. have a homeless guy just to take his pants <laughs> oh the 80s like did you happen what to time did you happen to kick like a box of puppies on your way <laughs> after doing this i'm gonna sell this dog for food <laughs> Kyle Reese would do anything. So does that make Kyle Reese kind of a meanie pants too? Are there really any good people in this film, Chris? Well, I do really think that Kyle Reese is the un- he is the underrated hero in the yeah. film. He just happens to mug homeless people on the side. It was one time, and okay? And hotwire cars. So, you know, It was a couple times with the there's cars, some okay? Theft, all right? There's some commandments he's breaking there, but that's all right. At the end of the day, he died and he uh, saved yeah. the saved the future. Banged a chick, got his his kids now gonna save the world, right? Although nothing, even by them killing the Terminator, they didn't change anything about the future. The bombs are still gonna fall. Oh yeah. In thirteen years, mm. a bunch of people are gonna die. Yeah. So they they didn't change anything. I mean, and, I mean, yeah. The film ends on the whole like there's a storm coming. She's like, I know. <laughs> like, and then you realize, oh crap, there's still gonna be a war soon, right? <laughs> and then we get that nice picture though. That's you know. The little kid haggles them for $4. Yeah. In the 80s, man. Four <laughs> bucks for a picture. That's a lot of money. I That's know, like $20 like, in today money. Right? It wasn't gas like a dollar or like 79 cents. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm always fascinated by movies during this time that take place in the future. Mm-hmm. There's a horrible, horrible movie with Mickey Rourke called uh, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Oh, and it's what? set in 1999. 
Okay. And gas is like four and a half dollars a gallon. <laughs> like they're only off by like ten years. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> if only you would have waited. So before we get too far off the rails with that, what do you say we discuss the legacy of the Terminator, Sean? Yes. So we're not gonna get too deep into no. the franchise with this, but we're just gonna limit our discussion to really this film. So the Terminator grossed over seventy eight million dollars at the box office, mm-hmm. nineteen eighty four. So it didn't exactly adjust for inflation, but that's pretty good for the time. Oh, yeah, dude. That's amazing. <laughs> and holds, take this for a grain of salt, this holds a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. But that's out of 61 reviews. And again, take that with a grain of salt because this came out pre-internet days. Yeah, right? How many of those people actually are millennials reviewing Exactly. It? Time Magazine did call it one of the best films of 1984, one of their top 10 films. Mm-hmm. There were some negative reviews at the time. They were criticizing the brutality and the action. But to be honest, I say boo to those. Yeah. I mean, the action is pretty brutal, but it's R-rated. And you know, coming in, I think the brutality of the action really brings the onus of the film. Where you're yeah. Like, wow, this guy will kill anyone. And also won big at uh, the Saturn Awards, won Best Science Fiction Film, Best Makeup, and Best Writing. All well-deserved awards at the Saturns. And in 2008, the Terminator was deemed culturally and historically Significant by the Library of Congress. Yes, selected for preservation Bam. by the Library of, Phil, uh, Library of Congress and the National Film Registry. So it's still about what twenty four years. Uh, it was on the yeah, market. 24 yeah, twenty four years, which you know it's okay. I mean, it's, it's in there shy. now. So yeah. bully. Yeah. <laughs> Widely considered one of the best and most influential science fiction and action films of all time. Mm-hmm. That goes without saying. Uh, obviously, this spawned a whole franchise, which yeah. we're not going to get too deep into right now. But I mean, there's. There was more films, yeah. comic books, video games. There was a television show. Mm-hmm. There's been novelizations, toys, and a ride at Universal Studios, which I think we've all been on, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that ride. Um, turned Linda Hamilton into a science fiction icon. Mm-hmm. Launched the career of James Cameron, despite his reputation of being notoriously difficult to work with. And, and uh, Arnie. Arnold. He's a national or a global phenomenon, yeah, I Absolutely. Would say. I mean, it could be like probably a documentary about antelope that Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> is narrating, and you'd probably still go watch it. Yeah. Because yeah. you know what? It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. I like his voice. And you watch the antelope leap across <laughs> the plains in search of food. How majestic. <laughs> Look at them lick the water with their little tongues. Slurp, slurp. Reminds me of Austria. As a boy. <laughs> so, with all that in mind, Sean, what do you say we rate the Terminator? Sweet. So, on our scale, the force-fed sci-fi podcast of wouldn't watch, mm-hmm. would watch, would own, and would host a viewing party, what do you give to 1984's The Terminator? Oh, I'd totally host a viewing party. Don those leather jackets and leather boots, baby. Rock that flap top, because it's time <laughs> to be terminated. No, it's it's good. It's I think like we discussed, the legacy holds true. Spawn a franchise, it's great. I, I would totally do like an entire viewing party of like ugh, all five or six. <laughs> I guess. You know? Maybe do like a ten minute yeah, rundown yeah, of yeah. Salvation's <laughs> best scenes and maybe give people the option for sticking around to watch Genesis. <laughs> Genesis yeah. Take a break, go get pizza, or just we'll do like a drinking game. Because well, it's not like you're watching the Harry Potter films. <laughs> exactly. But I, I totally think this is, everyone should have to see this this and go on to see the franchise because it's great. 
How about you? I agree. I I would full on host a viewing party for this. This is right in James Cameron's oeuvre of films. Mm-hmm. You, you've got the best elements of science fiction and action. You also have some horror elements thrown in there. Mm-hmm. And really, it's a story of two unassuming or unassuming looking people mm-hmm. who are able to do something extraordinary and bond together and yeah. and defeat this unstoppable killing machine. It's awesome. And it kickstarted one of my favorite science fiction franchises ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it doesn't take much to get me to watch a Terminator film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, good. I think that's... That's it. So, yeah, we got film one down in the Terminator suite. Next time, we will have Terminator 2 Judgment Day Mm -hmm. ready for you lovely people. (laughs) And if you enjoyed today's episode, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It really helps to drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show. We are across the spectrum of social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's all at ForceFed Sci-Fi. You can check out and download episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you find podcasts. And go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Finally, you can check out our website, forcefedsci-fi.com, for show notes and links to all of our social media. So for all of us at the ForceFed Sci-Fi team, hasta la vista, baby. Force-Fed Sci-Fi is written and hosted by Sean Culp and Chris Rupp. Website design, associate producer, and editing by Jeremy Kesky. Artwork designed by Mike Berger. Theme music composed and performed by Custom Anthem.